Uh, well, welcome everybody to the latest edition of um, Ed Talks, which is a podcast where I like to try and talk to people who are either have a good profile in the industry or are experts, or like my guest today, a bit of both, really. Um, so uh, I'd like to introduce Jonathan Gregory, who's with me. He's sitting there. I don't know how, where he's sitting for you. Um, but Jonathan is someone that we've been doing a little bit of work with at Vuba now over a few months. Um, so Jonathan, perhaps you'd like to give a little bit of an intro to yourself about what sector you've been in, who you've worked for, how long you've been in the sector, etc., etc. Okay, yes. Well, thank you very much and uh, welcome everybody. Um, yeah, so I'm Jonathan Gregory and I'm a consultant working in housing. Um, I've worked for about 20 odd years in housing prior to that. I was in social care, running children's homes, remand units, and also supported housing before I went into the mainstream housing. Um, over that time, I've worked in a variety of different housing associations, large and small, uh, ALMOs, local authorities. So I've got quite a broad experience of the real key challenges around running a decent uh, housing and maintenance and repair service. And I tend to be known for maintenance and repairs uh, and housing in particular. Um, as well as that, I also uh, provide coaching and advice to organisations on equality, diversity and inclusion issues. So those are the things that I th that tend to take up most of my time um, these days. OK, so unusually, I didn't mention the fact when I introduced you that you're very much on the social side, social housing side of things. Obviously, people who know me and are watching this will probably be, some of them and certainly will be on the private rented side or the, the estate agency side on the private side. Um, what I've learnt from you and others over the last few months is quite how different the sector that you work in and you're an expert in is compared to the private sector. How would you characterise those differences? Well, I think the main difference is that um, customers, tenants in a social housing sector setting um, don't have the same level of choice that you might have in a private sector setting. So customers are coming at it from a very different point of view. Their choices are very limited. It's a lifelong relationship by and large, not necessarily a short, short hold uh, kind of tenancy uh, relationship, although it is in some aspects of social housing, but by far in the main, it's a relationship for life. And their relationship with the landlord, whoever it might be, has probably already been in place for some time. Um, and, and that changes entirely the landscape and the dynamics upon which the relationship is based. Now, I know that opinions vary a little bit on this, but certainly my experience, again, has been that the, the sector is, is a lot more collaborative. What you tend to have is some companies that will try things. Perhaps it tends to be the bigger companies who will try things. And when they work, uh, they very much tend to want to let everybody else know what works for the improvement of the sector in general. Would you say that's true? Because it's certainly not true in the private sector, I don't think, where comp competition and winning is everything. Uh, I think that is true. Uh, there is some competition in the social housing sector um, and there's a lot of benchmarking and comparison goes on. However, if you do come across someone who does something better than you or they come across you who does something better than they do, there is a kind of an unwritten rule that you will collaborate, that you will take time, share your practice, share your results and how you got there. And I think that's part and parcel of the day-to-day -day existence in the social housing sector, in fairness to it. So how would you... Getting down to the nitty gritty, really, what would you characterise as being the biggest problems? I mean, obviously, the social housing sector has come into really sharp focus over the last few, last few years post Grenfell, obviously, has been the thing that's focused and horrendous though that was. 
Um, it's clearly one wants to try and take as much good out of that as possible. So what would you say has been learnt and have been uncovered as the biggest problems that the social sector is facing? Well, I would certainly say that in all of my dealings with colleagues across the sector, uh, and in terms of the work that I'm actually doing with the Small Housing Association at the moment, um, I'd say there are four main conversations going on. Uh, one, COVID recovery in all its forms, and the impact that COVID has had from a staffing point of view, from a customer point of view, and from a service delivery point of view. That, that, those are real challenges that are going to be with us for quite some time. Secondly, fire safety, uh, and clearly Grenfell, and, and other preceding fires have now brought a lot of issues into sharp focus. Um, and the sector is spending a lot of its time working out how it is going to rise to the challenges of the new building safety regulations that are coming out. Um, and that links to the third thing, which is tenant voice. Um, there has been an awful lot of resident engagement and tenant engagement activity within housing over the years. But the question is, but how effective has it really been? Are there still pockets of people who haven't been listened to or that we can't evidence have been listened to? And that is having an impact on how we actually provide services to them. So the first thing is COVID recovery. The second thing is fire safety. The third thing is tenant voice, which clearly relates to the prior two. Um, and then lastly is decarbonisation and how on earth it is we are going to rise to the enormous challenge of decarbonising our, 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 our properties and our service delivery uh, over the coming years. They're the key challenges. And like a lot of other sectors, I think the other thing that surely is going to be affecting them is, is how they best use the talent they employ. And you've got a certain number of people working um, within these organisations. And certainly I've read in the press there appears to be quite a lot of consolidation. And normally, of course, the way people make benefits out of consolidation is by losing jobs, which means you have less people to cover the same or much more ground. So... Um, in terms of day-to-day -day running, and I know you've got a very wide experience within this sector, having worked for Haringey and others, you know, in terms of trying to manage their, uh, their, their, it's a horrible expression people use, human resource, what a horrible expression, but nevertheless, mm -hmm. their, their people and where they work. Um, is it very much an under-resourced industry and is it going to get worse? Uh, I think there are some areas where it might be under-resourced. Um, but I think it's also about how we prioritise um, skills, how we prioritise personnel in the sector. And we're going to have to uh, be quite thoughtful about how we do this. For example, uh, in order to meet the requirements of fire safety, we are going to have to have new levels of qualification, accreditation and competence in an inverted commas, uh, as the law dictates. Uh, and the vast majority of our people simply don't meet that standard at present. And it is not going to just be the technical roles um, repairs, inspectors, surveyors, etc. It's going to be ordinary run-of-the-mill housing professionals who are going to need to acquire some of these qualifications in order to discharge their role properly. So I think there's one aspect which is how we get people technically qualified and technically acceptable. Um, at the same time, we are going to have to up our game in terms of how we do engage with residents, which means really good interpersonal skills and qualities where we're very empathetic, where we listen very carefully, and that where we have structures and hierarchies in place that when grassroots, frontline staff raise something on behalf of residents, it actually gets seen through to some form of completion. And I'm afraid if we look to our laurels a bit, we realise that that's not always been the case. Uh, in housing but i would say that going forward that is where our skills base needs to be uh, and that is what uh, senior leaders are going to have to up their game to really respond to and make sure it's in place as well yeah because it strikes me as being a natural 
problem within the industry. In the private rented sector, if somebody's got a problem, they are onto their agent or landlord in a flash saying, I'm paying top dollar here, what are you doing? Whereas in the social sector, perhaps people don't want to rock the boat too much. They want to be seen as being quiet and, and, and not making too much of a, of a noise to make themselves unpopular. Um, so again, the, the impression I have is that and, and this is this was reinforced by that rather unpleasant. Um, I think it was on ITV that documentary, sort of two or three months ago, where they encouraged people to send in pictures of problems they have within their properties, and clearly that opened the floodgates a bit and really focused people on on um, the issues. How up to date would you say that a lot of these institutions are with their stock and the condition of their stock? Um, again, I think if we're if we're really honest, we realise that um, there is a lot to do in terms of bringing our existing stock up to the standard that not just that's laid down for us, but that actually we would want for ourselves. And I do believe, I genuinely believe that across the sector, a great deal of professionals with a great deal of integrity. However, our business is complex. It's got a lot of different strands to it. Uh, and we don't always plan effectively our resources and our work to bring about the best outcome from the amount of effort that we put into it. And I do think that's a real skill that we need to improve our project management, our delivery, uh, et cetera. Uh, in terms of our residents, I don't think they always know how to effectively engage with us. I think we as professionals sometimes assume that we've created all the channels available and that's all marvelous and we've ticked those boxes, but then we need to look and say, okay, but what actual, what, what actual voices are we hearing and what are we able to do with it? I think it's very difficult for people to deal with us in the same way that people can find it difficult to deal with a local authority. They can be large, faceless organisations, and we need to think about that as part of our interpersonal interactions, uh, which is the point I was making earlier. We've got to do work on this. Yes, it's a. I mean, it's a certainly a problem. It, data is obviously helpful, and knowing about um, inventory and, and and what is being managed is very helpful, and obviously matching the skill set of your staff to the yeah. to the needs of residents. There's obviously another side of the social housing business, um, apart from the management side, which I accept is your area of expertise. Um, the other side, of course, is sales of affordable homes. And again, it strikes me that this has been subject to a lot of consolidation. I mean, certainly some of the clients that we've been dealing with might be based in Bristol, but they deal with the entire southwest of England, which and when they say the southwest of England, that can mean anything from and the Seven Channel right the way down to the tip of Cornwall, which is a huge area. So um, are the challenges faced within the sales sector for that uh, different? Are they, How do they manifest themselves? I'm not sure they'd be very much different. I mean, some of the landlords in the social housing sector are huge. They are cast across a wide, wide, vast uh, geographical area. And so they've got the same issues around quality of the product that's being uh, built and provided, um, and then the actual service around preparing them for let and actually letting them and the experience that people have from the very outset uh, of being a social housing landlord, um, uh, a social housing resident, even if that's on a shared ownership basis. And so they're actually leaseholders. And I think, again, this is something that we are going to have to spend more time on to get that right. Um, but there is a lot of work that goes into that in terms of mirroring the, the private sector. And I mean, obviously, um when we uh, approached you, if I can put it like that, when we found you, you're a consultant that works for, a, I think, a very well-regarded um, consultancy in the sector, Campbell to Kell, 
um, mm. well known. Anybody can go and look at who they are and what they provide. And obviously, we found us we we, we found ourselves talking to you. Um, you were, I was about to say initially, but I think hopefully you still are. You were you were excited by what Vuber can bring. Obviously, like all these things, it's a slow process getting involved mm. with the right people, and we're now a few months into that. But um, from a purely self-interested fashion, well, not necessarily self-interested fashion, but in, in terms of what you think Vuber provides and what you think, and, and the sort of gaps you think it can fill, just briefly fill us in on on why you're still working for us and what you think we can bring to the party. Um, well, I think, and when I first saw the Vuber model, it, it almost seems like a no-brainer at first when, when you see it near it. And the things that leap off the page. Um, is that it's a 24-7 service, or certainly aims to be, and then it's got UK coverage. So that's a great starting point. I would also say, secondly to that, that it's actually at a brilliant price point. Uh, and quite honestly, those are two of the initial hurdles that you, you might ask about if you're a potential client of the service uh, from a social housing perspective. Um, and, and what I would say is that, although Viewbar um, was founded originally around the concept of viewings, viewings in the social housing sector have a different look and feel to them they have a different flavors they're kind of a harder harder thing to imagine outsourcing that um so that's not necessarily the primary driver but i do think that where it's well placed is to assist us with compliance and particularly the new compliance regimes that are coming out and those that those are things that might involve building inspections checking on the condition of properties um, post inspections for repairs and these are typical areas that um, housing associations in particular will struggle to resource them consistently not least of all in this covid recovery time when we've got lots of people still isolating out of work and so on and so forth uh, and typically resource levels do fluctuate in housing as i'm sure you can imagine um, at the same time and, and this reflects on the itv news bulletins that we've seen we need to do more as a sector to be checking on the vulnerability of our residents uh, and I think that uh, Viewbit is very well placed and thinking particularly about organisations that have got dispersed stock. And there are a lot of them uh, up and down the country and sending someone all the way from London or from one regional area right across the country is clearly certainly not carbon neutral or carbon friendly um, and, and is not necessarily the most efficient way of doing things. And I think that knowing that Viewbers are vetted and trained property professionals um, who have these uh, various different courses that we know they can escalate through to increase their skill set is something that once social housing customers get more on board with, I think they'll see the real benefit of it and how that can be uh, developed to provide more and more reliable services and thereby really help people with a viable outsourcing uh, option that really helps them with their day-to-day -day resources. So I think they are some of the key things, tennis verifications, um, checking on people's vulnerability, checking on properties themselves, as well as potential viewings. And I think viewings is particularly interesting in terms of the sales side of it, when we are trying to let a whole building of 100 plus units, that's where I think viewers could be real helpful, additional resources on a temporary basis uh, to support that work. Um, so I think those are some of the key areas. And the other thing that I'm just experimenting now through one of the organisations I'm working with is the floor plans of photography. Um, and really helping us up our asset management database, which goes to the point you made earlier about data, data quality and data integrity. Well, that's really helpful. I mean, you know, we could talk, it's it's such a huge area, this, and I can't remember what the numbers are. Is it 5 million houses, have 5 million properties in the sector? Is it more? Something like that, yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that's, that's a, right. you know, it's a that's, lot. 
it is an enormous amount and it's clearly a very big um, issue um, and it's becoming more and more important especially as house prices seem to be going <laughs> further and yeah. further up more and more people are going to probably be looking at the sector as as a way yeah. to satisfy their housing needs um, I'm aware that a lot of people will probably be arriving at their destinations fairly shortly and we're thinking right we need to bring this to an end um, I mean certainly we've learned a huge amount at Vuba from what you've been teaching us collaborating with us etc etc yeah. we've been running trials now with with a number of housing associations who seem to be liking what we're what we're doing so it's been extremely helpful if you could turn around to the government and ask them to do one thing and i didn't give you any warning of this in advance <laughs> if, the, if there was one thing that you could ask <coughs> the government which you knew they'd do what do you think it might be for the sector uh, I think right about now it would be to make whatever funding available, whatever funding is necessary available to bring all of our properties up to scratch um, to the very best of a fire safety level uh, and other forms of safety. And that's not just in terms of the work on the physical fabric, that's about the actual staffing skills and the very best of technical staff to enable us to deliver it. I think if, if that was the one offer they could make, I think we'd bite their hand off. Yes, I, I, I think that's really good because at the same time, of course, as you're bringing properties up to scratch, you can help decarbonise them or make them grow. Well, exactly, and, yes. Um, and yeah. I think that could all be dragged into it. I think that's a really useful one. I had, I'll finish off with this. I, I was not horrified, but last week, obviously, the government made their announcement saying they were going to offer five, a very generous £5,000 for people to put their heat pumps in. And just as I was listening to that, a thing came on the radio that I was listening to um, from Italy, where... And this may be peculiarly Italian, I have no idea. There was some bloke who was decarbonising his home and putting in heat pumps and solar panels, which I know make a bit more sense in Italy than they do here. Mm -hmm. And the work was costing. Uh, the, the, the interviewer said, well, how much is this costing you? He said, well, it's costing me €100,000. And the interviewer then said, and what grant are you being given by the Italian government? And he said €110,000. So he was being paid 10% more than the cost of the work he was doing to decarbonise his home. Now, I'm well aware that that can only be done for a limited number of people and that, at that level, but this has to start somewhere. And I think what you just said about, about, about funding um, and making sure, therefore, that the technically resourced people are there to, to, you know, to, to inspect and to do the work is... is yeah, um, okay, well, look, Jonathan, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk. I really appreciate it. I hope those um, in the social sector will perhaps get something from that and those who aren't will perhaps have a little bit more of an understanding of the sector after you've spoken because I know certainly the two don't often meet so uh, very helpful. So uh, thank you Jonathan. Thank you very much Ed.